This is Monster Stories Podcast, Living with Evil, and I'm your host, Suzanne Cole. Today I want to say just a few words about isolation, the isolation that remains after having been with a monster, after having been held within the captivity of gaslighting or triangulation that is the primary and highly toxic weapon that a sociopath, psychopath, monster uses to separate and isolate and destroy, if possible, his prey, his primary target. This isolation is a vicious prison. The residual isolation is also a terrible prison that we who have been victims of gaslighting unwittingly find ourselves in. We almost never know that this has been going on behind our backs for years. Everywhere we lived, with our colleagues, our friends, our neighbors, our children, our parents, with every single person the monster can seek out and use to destroy his primary target. Whether he's destroying those people in the process is irrelevant to him. I've posted a few links of Sam Vakan's very succinct descriptions of gaslighting, triangulation, triangulation by proxy, which I'll also talk about today in terms of a lawyer that I hired in Portland, Maine. I urge you to listen to Sam. He's incredibly precise on this topic. He gives really no advice, but he, as a confessed psychopath, has made it his duty to speak openly about the sinister tools used to destroy others. His book, Malignant Narcissism, has become central to the very rarefied group that study these phenomena. For me personally, and for many of you listening, this absolute and complete severing from everyone you've known and loved leaves such a tremendous and painful isolation. And because that brainwashing of the other in the triangle is almost always irreparable. One has a choice of learning to live and become inured to utter solitude or rebuilding a new life after such absolute loss of connection to people, to place, to houses, that'll be in another episode, to anything familiar my gregarious self has become somewhat vestigial. The isolation manifests as a melancholia I contend with each day, and those of you who have been in this situation know of this melancholia. It's an existential conundrum that follows us wherever we go. There essentially is no phenomenon of before, after you've 
defected from a relationship with a monster, a psychopath. There is no before. There is no body from before. The entire package of before is essentially gone because of the monster's campaign to separate you from yourself, from others, from fulfilling work, fulfilling engagements, from your children, from everyone. What you are left with is your integrity. You still have that. You still have your talents. You still have your core sense of ethics. You learn to know your values again. And you learn to appreciate your desirable character traits that were just used and mutilated by a monster, by a psychopath. And if you've read books on this topic or listened to YouTubes, some of them are good, but most of them tell, especially the therapists, simply leave after you see signs of psychopathy. Simply go. Simply do this or that. And I am here to tell you that there is absolutely nothing simple about having been with a monster, a psychopath, a sociopath, a borderline personality. And there's nothing simple about defecting from that person because of all the chaos he or she has caused. And there's absolutely nothing simple about living with the psychological and physical scar tissue that remains. So when you hear a life coach or a therapist speak of this, it's an ill-informed person. No one simply sees the signs of psychopathy and leaves. And you who have not experienced the torment of being severed from all ties by the monster's triangulation, you who have not known this isolation have absolutely no sense of the existential conundrum that one must face afterward. In fact, you cannot even imagine what's it, what it's like to be severed from every single person you may ever have introduced your psychopathic mate to or your psychopathic or sociopathic partner to or your borderline spouse to. And for me, it was a 25-year period of captivity. That's a long time. But you certainly should know about this profound dismembering that many others you know and who don't speak of it have gone through. You certainly should be educated about this. That is, if, if you aspire to have a humanity for others, to understand people and know them meaningfully. I feel it's a duty to know about this prison of triangulation, this isolation that occurs. And there is no one to help these people. Because of the irreversible damage that triangulation causes in the third party, and because of the sense of isolation that the prey has inured herself or himself to, for hundreds of years, we've known about people wearing scarlet letters. Remember that book? Remember the witch hunts? We've known about these people who have been eschewed and ostracized in our society 
But have we ever made an attempt? Have we ever discovered or discussed the possibility of developing a capacity to reach out to the myriad who have been ostracized? No, we haven't. And those who have survived, who haven't been hung, who haven't been victim of a psychiatric institution or of the neurologically damaging medications I spoke of, carry around that scarred scarlet letter all their lives, and there's no place to reach for that bridge between that place of ostracization and the place of inclusion, that place to reach from exclusion into inclusion. This is not a very popular subject. I suppose most people with that scarlet letter were hung, or they were guillotined, or they were put in psychiatric institutions, or they were drugged and irreparably brain-damaged by neuroleptic medications, which I spoke of in the last episode. So we haven't had to think much about it, have we? Or the psychopath has killed them. So there we go. We get to just study his mind, or her mind, rather than the people who were the victims, the prey, the survivors. So how to rebuild a life, a meaningful life, with meaningful interactions, when this new entity of absence has entered and becomes our companion, and absence can enter when we have a loss of a person, of course, when we have the loss of anything, but this loss of even memories of love that the victims of psychopaths and monsters experience is quite severe. The eschewing, the shunning, the dismissal by others that she indeed is whatever image the monster has made her out to be in his ersatz tears and self-pitying, his well-practiced psychological manipulation. Now, she's usually crazy or a psychiatric patient. This horrible, erroneous title and personality that she's been assigned by the monster and that her peers collude with. It robs her of her earlier identity. Now, are there any legal repercussions for this? Legal repercussions for being so horribly robbed of people, place, identity? Not that I know of. Has anyone ever sued for character defamation by gaslighting? I don't think so, but it should be. It should be so that we do. It should be that the monster be held accountable for his heinous crimes against his prey. There should be lawyers that specialize in this very profound identity theft, this character defamation of the highest degree. Why don't these legal representations exist? Certainly, I'd appreciate being a person who actually was able to hold such a vicious monster accountable for his crimes against humanity, against one human being or more, his manipulation, 
his horrible destruction. But the more typical scenario goes like this, unfortunately. I'll tell you a little story about how I hired an attorney, Billy, from Portland, Maine, on the phone when I reopened my divorce case. Because the first divorce was held when I was so crippled with pain that I felt it a duty to myself to reopen the divorce. So I hired Billy on the phone when I was in the West Coast and he was in Portland, Maine, and I hadn't met him for a year. For that year, he was supposed to be working on my case. Little did I know that he was a victim of gaslighting by proxy, and yes, that is the term, gaslighting or triangulation by proxy. Again, listen to Sam Vacans or read his book, listen to his YouTubes that I have posted on my website. Dr. Mario's lawyer, Elizabeth, from Portland, Maine, had been so completely hoodwinked into the story Dr. Mario had told her through his pitiful tears that I was a psychiatric patient that was causing him so much pain, but that he stayed with out of the goodness of his heart for over 22 years. So the attorney in Portland, Billy, premised my case in the reopened divorce on the erroneous assumption of my psychiatric illness. You might well imagine how humiliating it was for me to reach Portland after a year on the verge of yet another orthopedic surgery, a la Dr. Mario's abuse, and find that Billy had premised my case this way. In fact, I believe he was rather daunted by my lucidity when we met, which caused him to grab at straws and try to figure out how he could still present this case he knew to be wrong, this identity he now knew to be erroneous. One of the first questions he asked me after meeting was, was I anorexic? because this could help my case. I mean, how insulting is this? He, he grabbed for any common pathos he could think of that I could possibly be presenting with in court in order to serve his line of thinking that I had this erroneous psychiatric condition implanted in him by proxy by Elizabeth, Dr. Mario's lawyer. He, in fact, ordered me to have a psychiatric evaluation miles and miles away from Portland, an evaluation by a family friend of his, where I would have to go up several times, and he instructed me to do as poorly as possible on the tests. In other words, to appear as psychologically imbalanced as possible because it would again, quote-unquote, help my case. Disgusting, right? But this is a typical gaslighting by proxy that lawyers are usually victim to, unfortunately. So they're not really the friend, the support, the representation for someone who's been 
hurt, held captive, abused by the psychopath, by the monster. The whole court experience was utterly insulting. Billy was clueless to what really had gone on, and the case was awash. And most of us who have been in this situation have experienced exactly the same thing. Have you ever tried to convince someone that they've been gaslighted, triangulated, psychologically manipulated by your mate, your boss, your cohort? You appear more out of the ballpark than they had originally thought because people are so ill-informed of this common occurrence that's been going on for centuries. It's been used by the military, by the CIA for decades. We know about this. It doesn't just happen in movies called Gaslighting or The Manchurian Candidate. Those are representations of life. It happens all the time in our lives to the people right next door to us. And there are monsters with charming smiles who also live right next door or work in the cubby right next to us or who are our colleagues. And they are holding their wives or their mates captive either literally or both figuratively and literally within a gaslighting, a silence, a triangulation, or a captivity of place. Again, I ask, why does our society have such an excited interest in the anti-hero? the monster, the bad guy, and so little interest to his prey. Is it because she's dead? Is it because she's inconsequential compared to his fascinating and anti-heroic mind? May we soon see a more informed society before we're all corroded by the monster by a psychopath, by a malignant narcissist. And may we soon see better educated attorneys who specialize in representing victims of the monster, who specialize in character defamation by gaslighting, who specialize in identity theft by this kind of psychopathic toxin. This has been your host, Suzanne Cole, pondering with you today on the subject of isolation after having been with a monster, a psychopath, a sociopath, on gaslighting by proxy, on the imprisonment of gaslighting within a relationship with the monster and after defecting from him or her. This has been Monster Stories Podcast, Living with Evil. Until next time, I'll be thinking of you who have experienced this isolation and are in it now. And 
understand very well what I'm talking about in regard to the residual severing from all those you knew and that slow movement to rebuild a life anew without any help from anyone. And please check out Sam Vakan's links on my website where you can also subscribe so this podcast reaches more people. That's www.monsterstoriespodcast.com. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for moving through this uncharted territory with me, all of you. The beautiful music you hear on the podcast is David Darling, his masterful cello. Thank you.